Hi everyone and welcome to Film Roundtable. Uh, my name is Maria Prieto and I'm joined today by two guests that I'm very excited to speak to. But before we dive into that conversation, I'm going to lead us through a moment of silence to honor all 6,248,067 reported worldwide COVID deaths as of today. We're recording this on April 26, 2022. We would also like to honor all of our Black, Brown, and Asian brothers and sisters, as well as our First Nations brothers and sisters, whose lives have been taken by the hands of police brutality and other senseless acts of violence. Thanks. Thanks, everyone. Uh, so, yeah, let's dive in. Our guests today are here to discuss a new web series that's been coming out on YouTube bi-monthly entitled Rabbit. Uh, joining the roundtable is writer and actor Kyle Prue. Kyle, it's lovely to have you. Hi, thanks for having me. And we're also joined by the director, Max Mikulski. Max, welcome to the roundtable. Hi, really happy to be here. Well, congrats, first of all. Um, I've been tuning in every week, well, every other week for each episode. And I think the series is so fun and original. I don't know, it's just, it's a fucking blast. So for those of you who are listening and they haven't checked it out, you should just pause, go on YouTube. It's very easy to watch, episodes are short, it's a blast. But the series is about an antisocial freelance criminal who bounces around LA doing jobs that are you know, a little too weird, embarrassing, or dangerous for um, TaskRabbit. So Kyle, would you say that's decent? That's perfectly <laughs> accurate. <laughs> Perfect. Well, before we chat about, you know, the experience of bringing that to life, I'd love a little bit of, you know, the origin story of you two and, uh, you know, how that all started. So Max, could you tell us a little bit about your upbringing and how that influenced you wanting to get into directing? Yeah, you know, honestly, um, storytelling has been a big part of my life for really as long as I can remember. And, you know, it's interesting. I think um, I, I think a lot of people have this perception of filmmakers in particular as people who generally get into it very young. You know, I think a lot of people think of Spielberg making these like Super 8 movies at, you know, nine or 10 years old or, or whatever it was. But um, I, I really came to film uh, relatively late. Um, I, I was in my sophomore year of college. Um, I had enrolled as a pre-law student and, um, you know, growing up, I had always kind of written short stories or, or wanted to do, um, I don't know, novels, right? Like kind of fantasy, these sort of, you know, relatively small and kind of inconsequential things. But, um, my end of my freshman year, beginning of my sophomore year, um, I met Kyle through our uh, improv comedy group at Michigan, Midnight Book Club. Shout out to them. Um, and, you know, um, I, I think that was the first time in my life where I was really surrounded by people who, um, you know, didn't just, I mean, more than just plan to make a living in the arts, really lived it and immersed themselves in it. Um, and so once I realized that that was an option, um, you know, I started taking some coursework just through the film school and really not knowing what to expect, um, totally fell in love with it. And 
you know, we, I started kind of bringing some of that into our improv group. We started shooting little sketches and that sort of thing. Um, Kyle and I, my junior year, worked together on a little short film. Um, and yeah, I would say that's kind of where the where the whole partnership began for him and I. Um, and then I moved out to LA after I graduated about a year ago. Um, and yeah, the, the rest is history, I guess. I'm curious, you know, in this improv origin story, what, what do you think it was about both of your personalities that made it easy to work together? Hmm. <laughs> I, I think we have very similar um, comedic sensibilities, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I, I think that we were, we were talking about this the other night, actually, but I, I think there's, um, and, and maybe you see this in, in, in Rabbit, but um, there's a certain kind of humor that comes with a level of, I don't know, cynicism or, or maybe pessimism um, that, that makes it really fun to, or maybe I shouldn't say pessimism because I, I don't, I don't know it's up in the air, whether, whether I think of myself as a pessimist or not, but, uh, but, uh, regardless, I, I think that, you know, we're, we're two people who, um, have no problem seeing the seriousness of everything. And so in response to that, like being really goofy and, and silly or, or finding, um, I don't know, just things that are kind of, out there and sort of uh, unexpected, I think really, really makes us feel like we're like we're doing something good. Kyle, uh, what what are your thoughts on that? What do you think led to such a fruitful working partnership? Yeah, I I think uh, another thing too is uh, Max and I both have a very uh, strong affinity for language. Uh, that's where a lot of comedy comes from for me. Uh, it's always been kind of my main interest in life is language. And I remember I didn't know Max very well, uh, his, his freshman year, my sophomore year, but he came on my podcast, which was like this, like silly thing that we were doing where the premise of the podcast was we were pretending to work for the Ann Arbor mayor's office. And we were going to interview people around town to, like bring tourism to Ann Arbor and everybody we interviewed would be a psychopath or like the weirdest person you'd ever met. So Max came on and pretended to be a pirate. And so he's, he's on this podcast and I don't know him super well at this point. And uh, my co-host was like, and uh, what's the name of your pirate ship? And it's improv. Max hadn't thought of this. So he's like, uh, uh, princess Diana's revenge. And <laughs> I was like, this guy and I are going to be friends for a long time. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Nice. So you're, you're quick on your toes. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> I try. I try. Not, not to make light of any, uh, yeah. any tragedies, but. <laughs> sure. Sure, of course. Well, Kyle, I mean, speaking of language, you know, you're still quite the young lad, but I feel like you've lived so many different lives already and. So many of the endeavors that you've jumped into have been successful. So I'd love to know a little bit about, you know, your early days of writing. And then when you, you know, wrote these novels and, you know, everything that happened with that. Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah, my foray into the arts, into the world of professional arts selling uh, was I was a kid author. 
Um, I was 16. I wrote this book. It got published. I toured around with it for years. I put out two more books. Um, and it was it was a very strange time in my life because I was, you know, 18, between 18 and 20. And I was going to high schools and talking to kids who are about the same age as me about like art. And they'd ask me like, we do Q and A and they'd ask me questions about life. And I'd be like, I am your age. I have no idea about any of this. Um, but what it really did was it gave me, you know, hundreds of hours, maybe more probably, um, in which I was, you know, speaking in front of people and you know standing in front of people and and sort of trying to you know justify this work that i'd created and and inspire them and in doing that i sort of started to get like a really strong feel for audience uh, a real strong feel for audience energy and that led me to uh theater school uh which is where i met max um and so then i i was in theater for four years and and i sort of combined those two things into playwriting and so I, I did a couple of plays in college. Um, and then one of them, we got selected to do off-Broadway uh, in New York in uh, early March of 2020, um, which was the best possible time to get into theater. Uh, and um, then, uh, you know, uh, COVID hit America and everyone was like, okay, uh, go home. We'll, we'll be back in two weeks. This will be over in two weeks. And so I went in quarantine for two weeks and I called the producers a couple months later and I was like, we were supposed to go up in August of 2020. And I was like, is this happening? And uh, they were like, no, theater's dead. You should move on and find something new. Um, so I moved uh, to Florida. I was in a horror movie and I started like sort of uh, making film every day in like my friend's garage and starting to learn about it. And um, when I moved out to Los Angeles, I was self-taping every day. And um, self-taping is, is, you know, it's, it's a demoralizing process um, because, you know, you're, you're, you're memorizing for hours, you're recording for hours, you're sending it in, and, and so are thousands of other people. And, and you never know if anybody even watches it. And I really wasn't enjoying, like, the writing on the stuff that I was, you know, uh, auditioning for. I, I, I mean, some of it was really good, but every, I, I kept running into this stuff that was sort of, um, I felt like they weren't really like taking care of the way that the characters were speaking. And in that moment, I think there, I hit like a, a, a low moment with it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to write something. And um, if I have to film it on my iPhone, that'll happen. But I am going to make something. And, and, and you know, I've always been a person who's learned by doing. That's why I wrote the books. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's how I got into film. And, um, and so, yeah, uh, the, the first thing I, I, this is sort of my, my foray into releasing something mm -hmm. that is film oriented, I guess. Rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Max, now I'm curious. So you did two years of pre-law before kind of finding the film program, is that correct? About a, about a year and change, but yeah. Would you say those experiences with pre-law courses prepared you in some way to be a director or <laughs> is it completely irrelevant? You know, it, it's very helpful to be able to argue <laughs> um, as, a, as a creative, especially as a director um, when you are often asking the people whose money you're playing with to give you more of it. Um, 
being able to articulate why you need something um, is is definitely a, a good skill set to have. And, you know, uh, my mom's a lawyer, so I, I was kind of, uh, I don't know, raised in that arena. If you could if you could lay out your argument, you know, you could you could generally kind of find a way to get your get your way. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of segueing into Rabbit and into the two of you working together, I'll, I'll throw this first one at Max. Um, what were the challenges, if any, of directing, you know, the star who also wrote the material? Hmm. Um, yeah, go, go ahead, Max. <laughs> what are the challenges you know, I of mean, working? Um, <laughs> he doesn't know so- where you live. It's okay. Yeah, no. Um, this man is 15 feet away from me. <laughs> um, you know, I, I honestly would uh, would love to tell you that, well, maybe not love, but I, I would tell you if it had been some dramatic, uh, I don't know, prestige-esque scenario where we're one-upping each other and butting heads and, but... Um, Really, I, I felt like um, the, the challenges of shooting Rabbit were mostly logistical. Mm-hmm. And I think that actually having, um, you know, having our writer on set um, in, in Kyle, uh, you know, in addition to the lead actor, but, you know, he's in every scene. Um, but, but just having him there, I mean, I, I think that really did nothing but strengthen us as a production and um and and it was it was a really cool and unique experience I mean you know independently of I guess how things are done at the 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 high up you know 20th century Fox Paramount level this really felt like I was you know just making a movie with my best friend um and I think that was you know even if if for for all the logistical challenges that come with doing this with, you know, um, shooting five episodes of digital content in five days and all that, like working at this breakneck pace that really isn't manageable or sustainable, um, all becomes so worth it. Like in that, in that context, you know, knowing that I got to have that experience and, um, do that, like not only with someone who I like respect so thoroughly as a creative, but as like, as I've said, as someone who is you know, one of my my very best friends. Well, Kyle, I'm curious um, in terms of how hands-on you were with creative decisions, like were you kind of almost even a showrunner in terms of, you know, kind of being there for the shot list and all that, or did you kind of like let go of some of that control? Yeah. So um, when I, when I wrote the script, I was focused, I think primarily on character and dialogue and, you know, I, I, I did not, I, Max maybe didn't know that he was directing the show when I wrote it, but I knew that Max would be directing the show when I wrote it. So I was uh, careful to leave, I think like setting kind of sparse. I didn't want to overwrite. I knew we wouldn't have really any control over where we would film um, or we'd have some control, but not much. We didn't really have, you know, we're, we're not a, a, a production house where, uh, you know, we, we we were all just sort of scrambling for whatever we could get. And so uh, I, I kept things pretty like sparse down to the language. And then I assembled the whole team 
and in, you know, and then certain people would pair off and do their thing. And the nice thing about having Max, which is, you know, someone I trust to give like full creative control to and, and Jake Duggar, our, our director of photography, um, who's, who's very good at what he does and, and, and our producers, I, I sort of was like of the knowledge that anything that they could bring to it would be a humongous level up. I think uh, a really bad thing to do a really unhealthy thing to do maybe for this project in general would have been to be like well i know what i'm talking about this you know like this this was my my first big foray into film and and i've learned so much but i uh, i think the the most important thing you can do when you're starting is learn from everyone around you and and, and sort of like let them take the reins where where they need to so um i i sort of focused on the uh you know, I, I also, you know, produced it and everything. So there were like a lot of, I guess, like logistics conversations that like I had to be involved in. But as far as like shot listing goes and everything, that was that was that was pretty much Max, Max and Jake Duggar, I would say. Um, and um, yeah, and, and I, I think it's better for it. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, that's something that's a lesson I think that should be carried on no matter what level of filmmaking you get to just knowing that learning from those around you is completely invaluable and not one person has all of the answers for how you know this job can go mm -hmm. um and yeah i think that's what makes filmmaking so fun is when you surround yourself with people who you trust and you, who you want to listen to their opinions and their insights otherwise like you should just be you know shooting selfie videos at home without <laughs> asking any collaboration um, I do. I want to talk a little bit about your writing process behind this. Like, when did you get the idea? What were some of the inspirations and how long did it take for you to write the series? So, yeah, I um, in this moment, I was like, I'm going to make something. A, a thing has to happen, even if it's filmed on either my cell phone or Max's, you know, cinema camera or my headshot camera, whatever it is like it, this will exist. And so I called up my friend, Joseph Johnston, who is my long-term writing partner. And um, he, he and I have just been sort of like tinkering with, with like, you know, writing stuff our whole lives. Um, I met him in high school. And so I, I said, uh, I'm going to write a, a web series. Um, and I'm, I've, I've got to think of a concept like right now. And so I went through all these like, uh, like mini series of, of days past and, and, um, and one of the questions that I like really had to ask myself was like, if you don't have anything, like if you don't have any help, what do you have? And my thought was, okay, I, I know a lot of actors. You know, I went to theater school. I know a ton of out of work actors. And so I was like, okay, so whatever it is, it has to be character based. And if you can shift through a lot of different characters, great. Maybe you can do something maybe kind of like high maintenance-y. That's the, you know, I think the big comp we get a lot. Um, and that's a, that's a web series that later on to do, went to do incredible things. And so I had this thought to make this kind of human interest thing. But at the same time, the, um, the gig economy was blowing up bigger than ever before. You know, uh, Max was driving for Uber. Uh, we, uh, and um, like a, a bunch of people I, I knew were all like, you know, doing all because, you know, it was it's the pandemic. I think everything sort of started to become outsourced. And uh, I, I knew like people were interested in talking about the gig economy, but uh, maybe not head on yet. Like we're, we're not really sure of the ramifications of it, of it yet. And so my thought was, okay, something gig economy based that is like 
uh, you know, people-based, character-based. And then I was like, what if there was a guy that you could hire to do anything? And he would just come over and do it. Um, and so from there, I, I, I immediately after that, I, I wrote the Break My Nose episode uh, was the first one I wrote. Uh, and it took me like an hour. I was like really feeling it. Um, and we wrote the next four episodes over the course of that week. Um, I was kind of on a clock because I had told, <laughs> I had told uh, Jake Duggar and our executive producer, Will Noyce, I had told them that I had a web series and I, I didn't have one and I wanted to work with them on it, but I, I didn't have it when I asked them about it. Um, and so I wrote it in that week uh, before I had meetings with them <laughs> and I went to Max and I was like, hey, uh, direct this. And he was like, okay. <laughs> And, um, and so by the time we met with those guys, we had scripts and we had, you know, an idea and a concept and, um, and we were, we were, you know, uh, we were sprinting by that point. Well, Max, I'm curious what your th first thoughts were when you, when you got the scripts and then in terms of the director's prep, what are some of the first things that you do when you read a script? Yeah. I mean, um, I, I think one of my, I think probably the first thought I had uh, reading these scripts was just, I'm in, um, you know, I have, I, I think it's probably fair to say read close to, if not everything Kyle's ever written. So um, I, I'm very familiar with that writing style, with the way that his characters speak, um, you know, and, and like I said, there's this kind of shared, uh, you know, comedic and creative shorthand that already exists between the two of us. So um, I was itching for an opportunity to shoot anything with him. Um, and, you know, the fact that the project wound up being so great and, and even resonating with my life so specifically um, was really just icing. I mean, at that point, um, you know, I'd, I'd have done anything. Um, and yeah, um, as far as preparation goes, you know, it was a lot of meetings uh, with our wonderfully talented cinematographer, Jake Duggar, who Kyle's mentioned. Um, you know, we met in, we did about a month of pre-production um, during which time we were meeting maybe two or three times a week. Um, and, you know, we pulled a lot of stills um, from films and TV shows that we wanted to kind of emulate aesthetically. Um, there was a lot of talk about just determining the feel of Los Angeles within this world and kind of trying to create a version of LA, you know, a city that has been depicted on camera, you know, maybe more times than any other city. Um, and finding a way to make it feel unique and finding a way to make it feel ours. Um, yeah, you know, I, um, and then I, then I would say after that, a lot of it came down to figuring out not just the, well, what's the, what's the visual palette we're using, but also what's the sonic palette, you know, what, what does this sound like? What rhythm does it move to? Um, and that was kind of where I started to circle in on this, uh, kind of 70s funk and soul thing that we're doing throughout. Um, I was really, really attracted to that music. It was such expressive and emotional music. Um, and, it, and it felt like such a interesting point of contrast to me with a character who is so 
kind of awkward and out of sorts and so not in touch with that side of himself. Um, and, and once we, that, that was kind of for me at least, and I, I don't know if maybe Kyle, you feel the same way, but once I understood that everything else about the world and the character and just the, the aesthetic and, and I guess for lack of a better word, the, the vibe of rabbit, like really started to come together for me. Mm. Well, yeah, touching on that, you know, this character is someone who is a bit sociopathic, although I do have to say there are there are glimpses of emotion that come out of him each episode. But Kyle, I'm curious about your process in getting into that character and, you know, the nuances of the performance. Like, is this something that each take you found a different way to explore it? Or were you going into the shoot kind of already knowing how you were going to, you know, find the character? Yeah, I... I think luckily uh, living with Max and, and living with Jillian Garner, who's in the show as well, it was very helpful. We had almost infinite rehearsal time. Um, the nice thing about all the actors we'd asked to work with is they all had time to kill. Um, and I think uh, putting the gloves on was a big part of it. You know, Rabbit always wears his gloves. And mm -hmm. I think putting them on while getting into character and doing scenes and then taking them off when I wasn't. I think it, it created a nice little mental thing that I could always touch on, like a little touchstone. Um, the interesting thing about Rabbit and, and the thing we sort of talk about with this character is um, he, he is a little sociopathic. It's, it's complicated because he's deeply talented at being brutal. Like he, he would be a very good sort of uh, ask no questions kind of criminal. But at the same time, he is sort of secretly very emotional and he's trying his best to understand the people around him but the thing that people around him are interested in is the brutalism mm -hmm. it's sort of the tragedy of rabbit is he always wants to know more and people always want him to maybe know a little less or or it's it's a very transactional relationship because you know he is a gig worker they know they'll never see him again mm -hmm. um and uh you know the, the the nice thing about working with such talented actors um we we were using a lot of theater people and, and theater people are text people and, and they're really in it and they really you know feel it they really prepare is that when you're when you're with them you get to just react very earnestly to the way in which they speak, the way, the things they do. Um, I had a lot of scenes with my dear, dear, dear friend, Ted Gibson, uh, who plays Bobby, which is this character who has hired Rabbit to pretend to be his boyfriend um, because he's been pretending to be gay for 10 years. Um, and, and having scenes with him, uh, Rabbit is sort of constantly reacting to the ridiculousness that is this character. And, and, and Ted gave me so much to work with because we were sort of blown away by his performance, by how how specific he was and how strange he was. The way that character is kind of written is he's kind of written a little bit as like a doormat. And the way Ted played him is that he thinks he's like a super spy. <laughs> like he thinks he's a really cool dude. And um, so uh, that, that, that was it was it was a process that was really aided by the people who I was working with, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, and, and, and at the same time, too, uh, knowing Rabbit's whole backstory, um, like knowing how this character would deflect, how he does deflect, I think is really helpful. Um, you know, uh, one of the big things that I like we learned in acting school is like actually think the thoughts that your character's thinking, because, you know, the camera can read your mind. So um, in, in, in scenes where, you know, someone says something to Rabbit that's potentially triggering, 
you just have the thought that rabbit would have and then it reads in your face and and um and so i'm i'm i, I think doing all the prep work on who rabbit is and where he came from was really helpful mm -hmm. and is that work you were doing with max or was it solo work you were doing or a little bit of both it's a combination i think um definitely like uh Joseph Johnston and I, uh, the, the other, my co-writer wrote the, we wrote the backstory for Rabbit. Um, and a lot of it I figured out while we were in rehearsal. Like mm -hmm. I learned things about Rabbit while we were seeing the way he was reacting to stuff happening around him. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we knew that he was, we knew that he was an addict. We knew that that was a big part of his story. Um, but we, uh, a little other tidbits about him, we picked up as, you know, time went on. Um, and, and it's interesting because I having recorded these five episodes, I feel like I know him a hundred times better than I did when we started. Mm -hmm. I'm curious because something that I really enjoy doing when I'm rehearsing with actors is kind of throwing in scenes, like completely improvised scenes, you know, to get backstory for their characters, you know, how they met a certain situation that they had to go through. Um, I'm curious if, you know, this is something you've done in your rehearsals or what your rehearsal process is like. Max, why don't we start with you? Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, that's, that's really interesting. Um, we really didn't incorporate a lot of improvisation um, through these rehearsals. Um, we, you know, I, I, I think Kyle likes to be, um, you know, pretty word for word with his text. Um, so, and I, and I knew that, um, you know, going in and, um, and I also knew that a lot of my work as a director on this project, um, you know, from a very early point became clear to me that my role would be in supporting and highlighting the strengths that are already present here. And those are the writing and the, you know, these many wonderful actors who we get to work with and we have different, you know, guest stars in every episode. Um, and so, uh, uh, so yeah, to, you know, I think to that point, um, it was, it was much more about on my end, not trying to, I don't know, reinvent the wheel or lead them off on any, um, long, you know, detours this way or another. Um, you know, we did, I think, really pretty simple text work, um, just very basic, um, you know, analysis of, of just what's on the page, um, and then finding ways to translate that into, you know, a physical space um, with our blocking, and, um, you know, and, and finding a way to sort of bring that to life. Um, yeah, I think that, um, you know, when I'm when I'm working with actors, I think the most important thing to me is just giving simple, um, easily actionable notes. You know, mm -hmm. I, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm not really interested in, in getting into this very, like, impressionistic, you know, it, it needs to be more dangerous. Can we make it more dangerous? <laughs> um, you know, I, um, I, I would, I think much rather, I don't know, because for me, it's, you know, it's, it's so much about um, getting to that end goal, right? The end goal being we have a great scene. Um, right. And so every, every other element of, 
I don't know, obfuscation that, that can get involved in the rehearsal process. Um, I don't know, at least for this project, um, wasn't of, of huge interest to me personally. Well, I am curious with the blocking rehearsals. I mean, this was mm. such a tight schedule and you guys, you know, you had your locations for, I'm assuming a finite amount of time. Yeah. So how long Real did you, finite. <laughs> how long yeah. did you spend on blocking or, you know, did it get to a point where you're just like, screw it. Like, we're just going to do that. So, um, I would say in general, um, you know, we, we had the great fortune of being able to visit most of, if not all of our locations before shooting. Um, so location scouting was incredibly helpful in this regard, you know, um, right. Like the apartment in episode one, um, the house in episode three, um, the cafe in episode two, these are all places that we were able to get some time in ahead of time, um, you know, if not with our actors, um, at least it would be, you know, myself and, and Kyle or, or um, Jake Duggar or our uh, producer, Sof Sophie Warshawski, um, would go to these places and we would take photos and videos and uh, keep them all on this, on this Google Drive. Um, and so then when it came time to do blocking and rehearsals, we would kind of pull up some of these photos, some of these videos and show the actors the physical space. Um, and we were rehearsing in our living room at that point. So um, it was, we would kind of push our couches around to, you know, loosely recreate the, the floor plan of, you know, whatever location we were simulating. Um, and that kind of got us close. And then on the day, um, you know, it was a lot of um, improvisation and kind of finding it, finding it as we went, you know, because of course you can prepare something in your living room, but then when you're in it, the logistical reality is always going to be a little bit different. Um, and, you know, a lot of it is, is really a credit to, um, to Jake, who we just can't stop singing the praises of, but um, he was um, not only our cinematographer, he also operated the camera for every single shot that you see in, in this web series. And um, I think a lot of how, great it looks and how well it's come together is a testament, um, you know, not just to the ability of the actors to exist within their space, but for him as well to, um, to kind of do this dance between, you know, uh, between the talent and the camera. Um, you know, he's, he's really great at that and, and he elevates it so much um, with the choices that he makes in the take, you know, that are, are such little things that I, I could never, have told him to do that you know it's um that's where you see his instinct as a storyteller start to come through mm -hmm. um Kyle a few months back you know you helped me workshop one of my scripts and I remember you had this really great note which is something that you guys did in the series and that's to immediately introduce your characters in a way that you can get like a backstory, even like it's, you know, it's not said, but it's like the way that the shot's done. For example, you have it with um, the second episode of the Break My Nose. It opens, we introduce her with a shot of her looking at her nose and the reflection of, I think it's a pot. No, no, it's not a pot. It's a, like a kettle. Yeah, it's yeah. a kettle. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'd love for you to touch a little of that because I just think it's invaluable advice for any writer, director, just, you know, creative. Totally. I, I think... We, I mean, our, our biggest thing here is since our characters are all we have here, um, we, we really wanted to focus on like 
who are they when they're alone? Uh, and, um, you know, and that's, that's, you know, so we, we introduce, uh, Jillian Garner's character, Valerie with, you know, checking out her nose in, in the tea kettle, because, you know, a reflection is a big thing that Max really wanted to push in rabbit as sort of a motif and the idea of like the way we're perceiving ourselves. And, and it felt like a nice bookend to this whole scene with the two of them, but, you know, like this, this, you kind of know what you need to know about this character right away. You know, she's, she's seeing this distortion and she's even looking for her reflection in the most distorted of, of surfaces. Um, we, we had a thing that I don't know how this came about. It was, it was either, it was either Max and I that came through uh, rehearsal, but it's um, it's this thing that we would ask the actors and, and it's, it's very valuable, I think, which is um, who does your character hope mm. they are and who does your character deeply fear that they are? Mm. So for Rabbit, Rabbit hopes he's like a neighborhood hero. You know, he's like a little, he's like, you know, he's, he's going around, he's making a difference, you know? And, and Rabbit, at the end of the day, he fears that he is just some like brutal thug. Mm. Um, and uh, so it was interesting because everybody has this very different way of talking about, you know, the, themselves and their character. So when, when we asked Ted Gibson about Bobby, we're like, who does, who does, Bobby, who does Bobby hope he is? And he's like, he hopes he's a knight in shining armor. And we're like, who does he fear he is? And he goes, a detestable creep. And when we talked to Jill, who plays Valerie, I was like, who does your character hope she is? Who does, who does she fear she is? Jill goes, she hopes she's beautiful. She fears she's ugly. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, um, but it's, it's helpful as a, as a writer too, because it gives you, it gives you the full spectrum of emotion to play with, with that character. Like it gives you the full nuance to play with, um, you know, because, um, you know, take like if, if, if we're going to like use rabbit as an example, rabbit can feel like a neighborhood hero when he's talking sometimes. And sometimes when he's talking, he can he can feel like like a violent criminal. And um, it, it really gives you nice places to bounce around to. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things that I think our audience has like picked up on is that these characters are all just kind of like duplicitous. Um, and. Um, yeah. Mm. I'm curious, you know, with a short, um, with a low budget piece like this, where was it most important for you for the money to go? Like, where did you think like, that's what we need to spend on? I, I mean, it, it pretty much all went to camera and, mm -hmm. uh, locations, mm -hmm. uh, sound, you know, yeah. um, and, and I mean, just paying our crew yeah, as well. Pay, yeah. yeah pay the crew, um, you know, like, uh, our thought was, if we can't pay for anything complicated, we can really lean on the characters. We can, we can lean on the writing. And then if it, if it looks good, you know, if, if, if the, if the camera work is, is, is good and the, and the sound is good, then, you know, people will, will give us a, a lot of room to move, I think. Um, yeah. And that, that's, that's where the, the majority of it went. I think um, everything else was just, I think getting the, the few locations that we paid for. <laughs> The I'm ones curious. that weren't like some guy's house. <laughs> if, you know, now you're done editing. Are you done editing? Are you are all five episodes edited? We're still working. We're fine tuning. Uh, okay, fine tuning. We're, yeah. we're, we're, you're, you're, you're getting close to, you know, finishing the whole piece. Yeah. If Never you fear, could, rabbit fans. <laughs> if you could rewind time and do the whole experience again, what's something that mm. you would change? Max, I'll, I'll start with you. <laughs> um man 
I, I think, um, I think it's just, it's lots of little things, you know? Um, I mean, really on a, on a film set and especially on this film set um, where we were really shooting much more than we should in the, in the time that we had, um, you know, time was just our, our 100% most valuable resource. Right. And so when you get into the edit and, you know, you start to notice you, you know, you watch, the same episode, the same take hundreds and hundreds of times. And you, um, you know, you start to see these little imperfections and then those imperfections kind of translate in your mind into, oh, well, I wonder, you know, if we'd saved five minutes here and 10 minutes there, could we have done that, you know, one or two more times? And then, but, um, but it's, it's minutia, you know, it's, um, I don't know, it's, it's nothing I even really feel I don't know, particularly purposeful in, in talking about at great length, because um, to go back and do it again, you know, I mean, I think at this point would just be going back and, and doing it with all the skills and, and growth that I have now on the other side of this experience, you know, mm -hmm. as, as a better writer, a better director, a better, um, you know, visual thinker, as one who works with actors, et cetera, et cetera. Um, more so than any one, you know, big glaring thing. Um, I, I think that every choice that we made creatively is one that, um, you know, I stand by and, and I think was the right choice given the, um, you know, the, the shooting conditions that we were under. Mm -hmm. Kyle, before I ask you the same question, um, Max, I'd love to know which of your directing skills you feel mm -hmm strengthen the most after this hmm um you know this, this was far and away the most work um that I've had the opportunity to do with uh such skilled and trained actors um you know I and and a lot of these people are are people um you know who I did know in college um but just never never had the opportunity to work with um and you know they were all so um particular in, in what they do. And, you know, it's a testament to the program um, at Michigan where, you know, they are really um, classically trained and mm -hmm. they, the way that they think about text um, is very different from, from maybe other actors that I've worked with, um, you know, or, or with lesser trained actors. Um, and I think I really learned a lot from them, you know, in the, in the way that they, approach language and the way that they read subtext, um, you know, in being able to know this line here, you know, may sound like a joke, right, but it's actually an ultimatum, you know, and how, how does that then factor into sort of the dramatic dynamics of the scene? Um, that I, I, you know, I, I hadn't really had the chance to do that kind of work before. Um, and it was, it was a, uh, fantastic learning experience for me, definitely. Mm. Kyle, what about you? Would you uh, would you change anything if you were to do this experience again? And second question, like what what do you think strengthened the most for you? Um, so uh, Rabbit filmed fifty three pages in five days, um, which is it, I mean we call it we, we call it the rabbit pace and it's like sort of like Max and I was talking about we will never ever make anything at the rabbit pace ever again I don't think like it's 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 insane um 
And so whenever I see something where I'm like, ah, that could have been like, oh, that's like a, a thing I want to like nitpick and, and I have them. Uh, mm -hmm. It, what it really comes down to is like, this was, we made the best possible choice that we could have given the circumstances. Um, the one thing I will say is when I wrote the show, I did not, I was not certain that I would be rabbit. Um, mm. That sort of became the eventuality because I realized we'd be marketing the whole thing via my social media. And I was like, well, then it's probably gotta be, it's gotta be me, but rabbit being in every single scene and also like, producing the whole joint and having been the writer of it um and like you know like being on set for 12 hours coming back here working with max maybe the one thing i would have changed is i i would i don't know if rabbit would have been in every single scene <laughs> i think maybe because like i i was like desperate to hang back and like watch it at least once yeah. um because like it was like it was it started it was 12 hours I'd go home we'd do we'd, we'd do a little production work for two hours I'd sleep for six I'd wake up I'd shower I'd go to set you know it's I I think there were some days when I felt it more than others but there were there were some days when I felt like exhaustion that I've never felt before because the thing about acting is that if you do it in the way that I think you know like I do it and 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 a lot of the people on set were doing it is um you kind of just slot into the character and you just do it. And, and it's not really about you. It's, it's not necessarily method acting. It's um, it's like this feeling of like, okay, like now, now I'm rabbit and rabbits reacting to the things around him. And I'm just, I'm just gathering the stimulus that's happening, but your body doesn't know what acting is. There's no biological or evolutionary reason to act. So your body takes it as actual stimulus and actual fear and actual anger and so when you like end a day and you're like, I'm like, oh, my Fitbit says I burned 7,000 calories today, just via sheer adrenaline. Um, you're like, wow, maybe <laughs> it would have been cool if there was one scene that wasn't like <laughs> that I wasn't in, you know, where it's like maybe rabbit hangs out and drinks a daiquiri on the beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, the, the interesting thing about playing a character like Rabbit, who's sort of, I mean, this is sort of like maybe an internal thing. It's maybe like not completely through in the show yet, but Rabbit detests comfort. You know, he, he, he doesn't have, you know, any, any friends. He doesn't, he doesn't live in a way that, you know, is very comfortable. He, he is always doing things to sort of push himself slash, I think like in some way, like punish himself. And um, when you're playing a character who detests comfort, you don't get to write yourself in comfortable situations. <laughs> Um, I was in an ice bath at one point, uh, and then while I, they were pouring ice into the ice bath, I was like, why did it have to be an ice bath? You know, <laughs> I'm so cold. Um, you touched on, you know, your social media presence and how you guys were going to use that to promote, uh, the series. I'm curious, you know, if you have advice for upcoming, um, young filmmakers and whether, ways that they could use social media to their advantage it's it's really really interesting it is a trade-off um i think on a certain level if you are on if, if you are known as a person from a social media service which which i think at this point you know even though i was doing stuff before that i think that's kind of that's where the most amount of people know me from i think that you are taking a a sort of you are taking a hit to the way people view you as an artist slash slash mm -hmm. as a professional um and so the thought there was uh 
I was more than willing to take that hit because of all the wonderful opportunities it has afforded me. And, you know, it connected us with our audience. And so from there, it was like, you know, uh, make something of the greatest quality that you possibly can. And, and, you know, that it was my goal to offset the whole situation because I didn't, I didn't like I on, on TikTok, I'm not known as a filmmaker, you know, like I'm not on TikTok. I'm like on TikTok as like a personality. Mm -hmm. And so the question became, how am I going to make everyone who sees me as a character? Because, you know, it's, it's not like my real self who, who sees me as this sort of like comedic version of myself. How am I going to make them understand that? Like I, am a person who makes things and, 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 um, hopefully tries to make things of, of objective quality. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a really double-edged sword, um, in the sense where you are able to connect with more people than you've ever been able to connect with in your entire life. Um, but I think you do on some level have to put extra work into the things that you make so that, you know, the understanding is clear that, you're not coasting on the audience or, or coasting on, on, on that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I got so many, I think like our tours involved, you know, you know, like Max is one of the most film literate people I've ever met in my life. Um, you know, everyone on our set is so trained. It was, it was so many pros and, and so many theater actors, you know, I was looking at all times to bring up our, um, you know, uh, our artistic game uh, to sort of level up in that way. Um, and I think for a lot of people, it's very shocking who have found this series through TikTok. You know, they're like, oh, it's 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 not what they're expecting. Well, yeah, I'm curious what the overall reaction has been on TikTok. Like, have you you've been promoting this on your channels? And like, it is so different than the content that you have on there. Has it mostly been, you know, positive? <laughs> like, just go through that. It's it's I, I will say it's been like bizarrely positive. Like, I I think we we've had maybe i think i mean we've read most of them i think we've had two hate comments um (laughs) but out of out of all of them like that's that's exceptional that's exceptional for the internet um you know i think i think what everybody can feel and this is sort of uh a friend of mine used to live with this guy from spain and he had this rule where he wouldn't cook if he felt sad because Mm -hmm. he would say that it would get in the food and uh, the thought that, and, and when I heard that, I, I internalized it and I thought about it for years and years and years. And the way it internalized, I, I have uh, applied it to my process and to my life is that you would like to get as many people on board who truly and deeply care, because then the care is instilled into the thing you're making. You know, um, I, I, I picked Max also like more than just for his talent, but because he had a way to make this thing his own. And, and we, we wanted everyone on the project to feel like they were like bringing up this thing together. And so I, I think that the thing that maybe people can sense in this and, and, you know, people are oftentimes commenting, they're like, whatever your team has done, I think they can feel that this is like a, a, a sort of like a, a child that was raised by a neighborhood. <laughs> um, and um you know, that's where like the little tiny elements of quality, I, I, I hope come into it. Mm. Um, I'm curious about the process with your guys' editor. Remind me his name? Wyatt, Wyatt Stromer. Stromer. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, with comedy, it's so crucial to hit those beats and 
that there, you find so much in the edit as well. Um, so yeah, Max, could you start and just talk a little bit about whether you, you guys gave him free reign to put a first cut together or whether you were there from like the get-go looking at all the bullet footage? Yeah, so um, I, I was in the room um, with Wyatt from start to finish. Um, and, you know, he, um, uh, it's interesting, you know, um, he's kind of an unconventional editor and, and he, I think was less interested in, you know, kind of taking an unguided, uh, you know, first swing at these episodes. Um, he was much more interested in, in really working with us collaboratively. And, um, you know, Wyatt is a friend. Um, and, uh, you know, Kyle's known him a bit longer than I have. Um, but certainly over the over this through this process um, has become a great friend to me as well. And um, and we just work together so well, you know, and, and have established this now, certainly um, a kind of shorthand for communicating these things. And I, I think that that is so important, um, as, as you mentioned, for comedy, especially where it is so much based on rhythm and timing. Um, you know, I think um, I, I'm, I'm glad to have done it the way that we did, you know. Um, I mean, we we edited even like in our in our living room often, um, just like at our at our kitchen table, you know, um, all of us sitting around sitting around the screen. Um, and it, and it was it was um, it was great doing it that way. You know, in, in the past, I am accustomed to typically editing my own projects, which is a long and frustrating and lonely process where you don't get any sunlight. Um, and, and this just couldn't have been more different. Um, you know, I mean, not, not only working with Wyatt, but working with Kyle too. And, um, and seeing him take an interest in, in film editing as well, you know, and, um, I've been teaching him what I know about that as well. So, um, look out for Kyle Prue to be, cutting oh, cutting yeah. your next uh feature film but <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> um yeah it was it's, it's interesting too the the first time that white came over to edit it was not in the in the in the scope of he's going to be our editor it was he was a friend who was coming over to cut some of the footage just so we could look at it because mm. we were still trying to find an editor yeah um and and you know he came over and uh, and we sat down and he started you know working on it a little bit and I noticed something about when he was editing is he was tapping his fingers mm -hmm. while cutting stuff. And I was like, what's the deal with that? And he's like, I'm a drummer or was a drummer. And, and he's, he's, he's hearing little, oh, very much tiny, still is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hearing moments in the work and like taking care of the rhythm in that way. Wow. And, you know, uh, I write everything based on rhythm. That's, that's always been my way. I like, people talk until the moment in which people don't like that's always I, I I never write silence in into a scene if I if I really don't have to and knowing that about Wyatt his his affinity for rhythm and, and you know like knowing Max as a person with with uh such like formal music training as well um I was like this is all we need you know like that this is this is the gang we need this is these are everyone will understand the way the thing needs to sound um and and it's it's a fantastic uh you know added skill set that he has just being able to hear hear the beats and everything follow you know even in the trailer uh he's he's cutting certain words to the baseline 
and then moving into like the like larger percussion beats in the song. It's, it's really, it's really fantastic and really cool to watch. Wow. Well, I mean, it sounds like you guys really just brought such a family together on this. And that's why, you know, when you watch it on screen, sure, even though it's a dark comedy and he's put in these situations that are pretty grim, there's a lot of love that comes out of the screen. And I think it's just because, you know, even though you guys were on a very tight schedule and I'm sure, you know, there were fires put out every single day as there are with every single shoot, you guys were having so much fun together. And that's, that's very evident in what's put on the screen. Well, it's, it's, it's funny too. You know, my, my thought about it recently has been like, it's, it's turned out so well, it's turned out better than I ever could have dreamed uh, back when I was thinking about filming it on my phone, if I had to, but there was a moment where we were talking about it and I was like, I can't believe I get to watch this in like 20 years because it'll be like a yearbook because like all my friends are in it you know like you know uh my all my, all my roommates are in it uh sarah's in it you know all my friends from college you know um it's just it's it's remarkable it like really is like a uh almost like a for, for me it's almost a little bit of a scrapbook hmm. you know like these these are all the people who who i who i've like known and worked with on on the in the beginning of it all you know yeah. Um, before we move into a lightning round with you guys, I I'd love to know, you know, what, what comes from this? What do you guys hope? Is there a rabbit season two? Are you guys going out and pitching it? Are you not allowed to talk about it? (laughs) Uh, we, okay. Mm. Um, (laughs) Let's see what we, what we can say. Yeah. Uh, Our ultimate goal is for rabbit to end up on, on television or or on a streaming service. Um, May, there are maybe certain things that we can't talk about, but what we will say is that like we are actively, um, you know, trying to get as many people as possible to see it to up our odds of eventually seeing it on a network or, or streaming service. That's the ultimate goal uh, yeah. is to get it picked up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a very fun show. So I, I, I would pick it up. If I was a network. <laughs> I'm Thank glad you. <laughs> um, so yeah, before the lightning round, is there anything else you guys want to touch on about Rabbit or just upcoming projects you guys have? Uh, yeah, I, I think, think we're still so. in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're a little we're a little one track minded here. Yeah, true. yeah. <laughs> That's fair. Um, all right, so Max, I'll start with you. What sure, was sure. the last movie you saw in theaters? Uh, the Northman. Mm, yes uh you know i i had a blast um i mean it was great and um you know i I think eggers is one of the most exciting filmmakers out there right now um and it was awesome to see him work at this scale Mm -hmm. um just the the size of that film is kind of unbelievable and and just the way you feel it in these enormous you know, landscape shots and these battle sequences. And yeah, it was, it was awesome. Loved it. Yeah, I, I will say that's, a, you have to see it in theaters. Like Definitely. I had so much Definitely. fun. But then I, I thought after watching, I was like, if I had seen that on a plane, I would have hated it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just in yeah. theaters, it was like a visual orgasm. It was crazy. Totally. Um. All right, Kyle. Also the Northman. Did you guys go together? Yeah. Ditto on all that. <laughs> okay, Kyle, worst movie to watch on a first date. Oh my God. Uh, <laughs> worst movie to watch on a uh, 
I'm trying to think of something that isn't like that isn't just like objectively like horrible. Uh, maybe like seven. I don't know, <laughs> like something incredibly like dark. Uh, Max, what's the worst movie to watch on a first date? I was gonna say Phantom Thread, but depending Ooh. on what you're looking for, depending yeah. on what you're looking for, that could be exactly the movie to watch on a first date. So who's yeah. to say? Wow. <laughs> My thought is something like uber romantic, you know, like maybe even Ooh, yeah. be good for a first date. <laughs> uh, I I I once went over to a girl's house and we watched um we watched, I don't even remember what I think it was like some like like some surrealist, violent brutal french oh film God. where people were getting like cut open and Ooh. i was like oh <laughs> was this your choice or hers hers yeah okay uh, <laughs> that's why i don't remember the name of it <laughs> um okay uh max what's an iconic movie that you're embarrassed to say you haven't seen um all right, I'm just going to go right for it on this one and like really out myself. I have not seen 2001 A Space Odyssey. Mm. Yeah. They're, they're going to kill you for that one. <laughs> I know, I know. They're going to they're gonna stick my head on a pike by the Hollywood sign. Okay. <laughs> Don't feel that bad. I had to watch from the film class and I fell asleep. So, yeah. It happens. See, I'm a All Barry right. Lyndon. I'm a Barry Lyndon diehard is the thing. Yeah. So it's like maybe if I, if I really am going to, round out my Kubrick knowledge or if, if it's the only Kubrick one you haven't there. seen you really you really should sit down right yeah. now and watch it yeah <laughs> Kyle what about you uh oh I haven't seen the Godfather part two that's what I was gonna say oh my god uh, I've seen part one uh <laughs> okay we'll have to do a screening right yes we we have to uh okay uh Max your favorite movie theater snack Ooh, um, I mean, popcorn's a classic and you can't go wrong there. I would say for a personal touch, some Reese's Pieces, pieces, yeah, mm. can never go wrong. Reese's Pieces in popcorn. You know, that's, that's bold. Mm. That's, I haven't, I haven't tried that. I'll have to, I'll have to conduct some experiments and get back to you. <laughs> Kyle? It's, it's a single beer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> whenever I go to a, my, my favorite thing maybe in the whole world is going to a movie at the place firehouse and having a single beer because it's like it's not a thing for whatever reason when I was a kid I realized was possible mm. like I'm like I'm an adult watching a movie I'm having a beer <laughs> <laughs> um, okay last question Kyle to you first who is someone whose career you really admire uh Bill and Hader. And, oh, great. Bill Hader is, I think, my ultimate hero. Um, I, I, I also um, uh, Armando Iannucci, I think, mm. um, writes like nobody else on the planet. Mm. Um, yeah. Max? You know, um, I have such a deep respect for Wes Anderson and the work that he does. Um, just in creating these films that feel so um, uniquely of themselves, you know, mm. um, each each one is um, I don't know, almost like a like a little antique curio, you know, like sitting on a shelf. It's there's there's like a, a feeling of like physicalness to them, like they're like like each one is kind of a a differently styled object, 
you know, mm-hmm. all sitting together in this big cabinet. Um, and, I, and I just love, you know, how each one is kind of an invitation to step into this, you know, slightly each world kind of slightly different from the last. Um, and, you know, and I, and I have just always connected, um, I think, with his thematic scope of interest, um, you know, especially with his um, focus on untraditional family structures um, is certainly something I've been able to relate to and, um, and get a lot out of his films in my own life. Um, and, you know, then I would say um, David Lynch is another one whose imagination um, just floors me um, and, and whose work I find I think about almost every day. Mm. Well, you were only supposed to pick one, so you broke ah. two. Well, he beat me too, so I, I uh, yeah, he, that's know. true. I true, that's, that's true. That's true, Kyle. Yeah. You started this. He was he was following me into the trenches. Exactly. On that one, it was an act of solidarity. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was like Wes Anderson, and if I have to get David yeah. Lynch, maybe. Uh, <laughs> Guess I'll give him some credit. <laughs> uh. All right. Well, you guys, this was, this was so fun. And for everyone listening, seriously, if you didn't pause earlier and you still haven't watched Grab It, I really <laughs> hope that, you know, you watch it immediately as you finish listening to this. Um, thanks to both of you for sharing some time with us today, some insights about this. And thanks for everyone listening and for your continued support for this platform. You can subscribe to us on YouTube, follow us on Instagram, you know, keep up to date with all of our future roundtables. And we'll see you guys soon. Bye.